Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is Jared Taylor, the host of the show and the founder of Flow State. Flow State is an organization dedicated to expanding human consciousness and transforming organizations into hives of higher consciousness. We do this by helping leaders develop self-awareness and by helping company cultures become flow cultures, which lead to the natural emergence of expression and purpose. This is awesome because it's happening right now. We're living in a very interesting time in humanity where obviously on many levels we can see um, this expansion of consciousness, we can see wisdom, we can see Eastern philosophies, we can see plant medicines, we can see uh, the science of well-being and mindfulness all bubbling away, helping us become more educated around what we are on a neurobiological level but also on a... um, spiritual level and we're living in this very interesting time in human history where organizations are evolving out of mechanistic constraints um, and becoming organisms living breathing organisms they've always been organisms but the humans leading them have not allowed these organisms to thrive and to and, and and to be listened to and come alive part of the work that i'm doing is working with leaders of tech startups founders of tech startups who are building very rapidly growing businesses and uh, helping them, first of all, develop as human beings, develop an expanded self, a sense of what it is to be a human being through self-awareness practices by teaching them how to develop mindfulness, self-mastery, connection with uh, the wholeness of themselves beyond the thinking mind, helping them deconstruct conditioned programs and belief systems and to connect with um, and express original belief systems, uh, zero-point thinking, first principles thinking, and to build companies from this place of purity and originality. It's beautiful work to be a part of, and it fills me with hope. And I and I share this to, I, I guess, fill you with optimism. Um, a lot of people I speak to are not aware that this work is going on on the company level, that there are uh, people out there who are working with leaders, uh, working in organizational development, uh, in, in amazing ways to help the consciousness of organizations uh, expand so that the collective intelligence that is embedded in these organizations is is able to come forth. And at the end of the day, an, or, an organization, a company, a movement is a collection of human beings. And human beings on our deepest levels, we want to love, we want to trust, we want to be loved, and we, we want to be trusted. And this is a natural state. And it's beautiful to realize that organizations led by highly conscious leaders, um, supported by philosophies and mindsets, can actually become hives that proliferate and um, exponentially spread things like trust and love and compassion and wisdom and insight, Um, all these fruits of higher consciousness, that organizations can actually become the things that spread these things. Uh, is quite an amazing concept to tap into. Um, and the basis really is about is inner work. I was at a conference that I walked out of uh, not long ago because it just wasn't getting to the core of what transformation is all about. The guy was talking about purpose-driven business and he was saying, talking about kind of like tokenistic gestures that we can do to be more purposeful. Like, um, And it didn't really get to the to the nugget, to the core of what I feel must uh, 
must be the foundation of any purpose-driven enterprise or business. It's not about saying that I'm a B Corp. It's not about saying that you operate a one-for-one model. It's not about saying that your company donates 1% of its profits to um, helping the ecosystem. These are all wonderful things. But if they don't come from a place of real inner transformation to in which there is an expanded sense of self in which the actual individual making the decisions the leaders and the people operating within these organizations actually understand the inner battle that we're all facing between love and fear um, between ego identification and identification with all that we actually are then really these are just tokenistic gestures coming from a place of fear i guess Um, So it's really important that we commit to doing the inner work ourselves. And the basis of the inner work that I'm talking about um, really is meditation. This is a tried and tested, proven technique, a science of the mind that has been passed down and refined over thousands of years. And to me, it's the absolute basis of human development, human potential, and organizational development and organizational potential Meditation is a beautiful, beautiful practice. Uh, and with that in mind, I've decided that I'm going to do releasing six episodes of Flow Nugget Nuggets, which come out every other week. And each one is basically going to be a, uh, a lesson, um, a, a part of a program of uh, deepening meditation practice so that we can uh, develop flow consciousness, the ability to exist in the natural flow of life. So this next episode that you're about to listen to is episode one, where I give a very broad uh, view of meditation, which will be useful for anyone, whether you're a seasoned meditator who regularly sits on the cushion, or whether you're a, a person who meditated long ago and just could not get through that um, that threshold um, to make it a regular thing, or whether you're someone who has never meditated before, but potentially always been curious. You're going to get a lot from this series, um, which is all about meditation, um, developing the capacity to live with uh, mind sight, with the the ability to uh, live our life through our mind with an expanded sense of awareness. This is the most beautiful path of, uh, to a life of fulfillment and flow. So just listen in to episode one in this series of six. Thanks for listening. I have a dream that every single human being on earth is taught how to meditate. I believe if that dream comes to fruition, which it will, the world will go through a rapid transformation process. I believe that meditation is the most powerful and transformative practice anyone can embark on. And in my personal life, meditation more than anything else has led me closer to my full potential. And the entire purpose of what I do through my mentoring work, through my consulting work, through everything I do through Flow State, is to provide others with the tools, the wisdom, and the knowledge to tap into and express that potential, which is why this series on meditation is happening. And this episode is all about an introduction to meditation, the basis of flow consciousness. You're going to explore, we are going to explore how sitting quietly for a few minutes each day provokes wonderful, beautiful change. Over this uh, six-part series, we're going to be um, learning more about how to meditate and more about the wonderful effects of meditation. 
describing the effects of meditation is a bit like trying to describe the feelings of falling in love with someone. I can give it a go for sure, but you really have to experience it to fully understand it. And that's the point of this series. So over the coming weeks, we're going to learn about the biology of stress and anxiety, the nature of our thinking mind, and some really cool things about how our, bl- our brains uh, have this plasticity, neuroplasticity. Um, we can do so much to shape and reshape our brains, our belief systems, our thought patterns. We're going to learn about mind-body connection, honing our intuition, and how meditation and this path of inner awareness, this self-awareness, can and is the foundation for us living the most heroic, beautiful, abundant lives. So the best way to get the most out of this series uh, is basically, obviously, firstly to listen, and then every time I give a practice, commit to it. Meditation is not a theoretical thing that you're going to get any benefit from. Listening to the podcast alone will certainly fill you with some new information, but unless you embody that information through practice, nothing really is going to happen. So I suggest meditating between 5 and 30 minutes a day. You could start with 5 if you haven't meditated much. If you've already got a meditation practice, I challenge you for the duration of this series to go deeper. Um, If you're meditating for 10 minutes, how about 20 minutes? And so forth. I also uh, invite you to pay attention to your state of mind whilst you're going about your normal life. When you're driving to the cafe or to the office, Pay attention to the feeling of the car on the road, the the steering wheel under your hands. When you're having a shower, pay attention to the aromas, the sensations, the just the absolute abundance of sensory stimulation that's happening in everyday situations like eating our breakfast. All right, so before we get stuck in, one final note. I really encourage a heartfelt commitment to your meditation practice. I suggest that you use a journal to track your meditation practice, to make observations about your mind. This is a subtle process. So refining your awareness so that you become aware of the subtleties of the process is going to be a wonderful way to keep going. And at times where you might give up because you just can't see advancement. If you attune yourself to look closely at the progress, to understand exactly what's going on in your mind, to pay attention to the micro shifts in your perceptions of yourself and the world, maybe it's the quietening down of a judgment pattern, or maybe it's the increasing space between uh, reaction, between action and reaction. But these subtle things deserve honoring. And one of the most powerful ways to honor these things is to talk about them with other people and also with yourself. And that's the process of journaling. All right. Deep breath. So what exactly is meditation? So I view it as a systematic method for training the mind. I view it as a science of training the mind. Over time, through the consistent application of this science, we actually change the neurological profile of our brain. I know this sounds nuts, but through meditation, some parts of your brain will grow, other parts will shrink, and other parts will start to communicate better with other parts of your brain. It's an amazing fact. So as well as this kind of like neurobiological uh, hack, I guess, meditation is also a spiritual practice. When I say spiritual, 
I'm referring simply to the essence of who we are beyond our thoughts, beyond the physicality of our body. You know when your head is thinking one thing, but your heart is feeling another? That voice of intuition is what I'm talking about. Meditation helps you connect to connect with that voice. Meditation is the spiritual practice of connecting with your heart. And you could say that your heart has guided you here to learn more about meditation, which means, hey, awesome, you're already connected to your spiritual self. So why do we meditate? What exactly is the point? Well, if you're interested in peace of mind, tranquility, flow, abundance, joy, self-confidence, self-belief, spaciousness, all the awesome things in life that we want, then that's why you meditate. There's a Deepak Chopra quote um, which says, meditation is not a way of making your mind quiet. It's a way of entering into the quiet that's already there, buried under the 50,000 thoughts the average person thinks each day. I think that's an interesting perspective. So as Deepak says, we think many, many thoughts, and these thoughts are so loud that often we cannot tap into the stillness that lies beneath the thoughts. Don't get me wrong, thinking is a useful thing, but up to 90% of the thoughts that we have are the same ones we had yesterday. That's a lot of thoughts that are just not that useful or original. Our thinking minds are potentially not as creative or as purposeful as we like to think, Sometimes the best thing is for them to just to shut up so we can let our wisdom to emerge from a deeper place. That's one reason to meditate. And a great analogy for this comes from the Greek philosopher Plato. He said that the mind of man is a ship, or like a ship, <laughs> in which all the sailors have mutinied and they've locked the captain in the hold. The sailors believe that they're free and they steer the ship as though they're free and in control. And they steer the ship as they feel like in each moment. First one way, and then another way, and then another way, round in circles. The ship is erratic and directionless because the sailors cannot agree on a goal, nor can they navigate. Plato said that the task of a human being is to free the captain and quell the mutiny, put down the mutiny. This is how to achieve real freedom. But putting down this mutiny, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes years of hard work because the sailors of our mind, i.e. our thoughts, they reject discipline and avoid it. Our minds use sleepiness, boredom, overthinking and fidgeting and all sorts of techniques to avoid being disciplined. So when we think about what Deepak and Plato have said it becomes clearer how sitting quietly for a few minutes each day can have an accumulative effect. By being still and turning our attention inward, we're connecting with a part of ourselves. We're connecting with our inner captain, our inner navigator, our intuition, our heart, our higher self, our true self, our soul. And connecting with this part of ourselves is the key to unleashing our full human potential our intuition, our zest for life, our capacity to love, our ability to feel connected to other living beings all comes from tapping into this place. If we aren't tapped into this place, we cannot possibly understand the fullness of this human experience. So meditation, it doesn't need to be a mystical practice. 
It doesn't involve shutting down your mind or stopping thoughts. It's simply about being yourself and knowing about who that actually is. It's about realizing that you're on a path, whether you like it or not, and this is the path of your life. We're going to move into a little overview of some different styles of meditation. The first style of meditation is what we might call intention. This is a form of meditation that involves adding an external element to your awareness. This most commonly is in the form of an uh, affirmation or a mantra or a visualization. It could also be bringing in the feelings of a desired emotion like gratitude or loving kindness. These are useful tools and one wonderful, um, it's a wonderful avenue of meditation practice. The second style is contemplation. This is a form of meditation that uses the power of inquiry. I often use this meditation style as, as part of my broader practice. For example, I ask myself the questions, who am I? What am I? Where am I? What is self? These are almost what the Zens would call koans, uh, almost uh, inside out kind of riddles with no uh, logical answer. I believe that this style is a, has a very useful place. Um, and for me, it's probably best used once a solid foundation of awareness is already developed. It probably comes after developing a solid mindfulness meditation practice. The third uh, type of meditation that we're really going to dive into over the next um, this series is mindfulness meditation. And this is the process of attentional training. This style involves exercising the choice on where to place our attention. So it's not passive and it doesn't involve being guided to one place or another. And really it's about self-sufficiency. Guided meditations are useful to a degree, but really we can learn to be self-sufficient and to guide ourselves to navigate our own awareness. And really that's the essence of mindfulness meditation. It's an unjudging state of awareness of our present moment reality. So I'm sure that you've heard of uh, mindfulness. We're going to go deeper into this word. The, the word itself is kind of not one that I'm super comfortable with in, in that m mindfulness. I kind of feel like uh, mind emptiness might be more accurate. But anyway, it's called mindfulness. Um, and I guess I can get comfortable with this concept if we think about how we're developing a fuller appreciation for the mind um, instead of being captivated by one element of the mind, like our thoughts. We're developing the capacity to navigate the fullness of the mind. And I guess that's the um, maybe the etym etymological roots of the word. So John Kabat-Zinn is a global authority on mindfulness. Um, he did much to bring it from the east to the west. He's a scientist who spent much time training in the Buddhist traditions. And he says that mindfulness is, quote, paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. Paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. 
that last point non-judgmentally is really the key we can pay attention all we want but if in that attention in that uh, paying of attention we are subtly judging ourselves or others then that is not mindfulness mindfulness has this beautiful quality of non-judgmentality just made that word up so mindfulness for me uh, is a hot topic these days in western psychology increasingly in the workplace which is awesome because there's so much research going into it there's a lot of science uh, backing up mindfulness practice and showing what an effective way it is to increase fulfillment reduce stress raise self-awareness enhance our emotional intelligence um and really actually heal ourselves. There's a great deal of science and evidence showing that this practice of developing this, this, uh, this skill, this attentional skill can help us heal ourselves. This is not new to people schooled in Eastern philosophies, including Buddhism, Taoism, and yoga, but to the East, to the Western mind, the idea of uh, our mind, our state of awareness being a gateway through which to heal ourselves can feel like quite a radical concept, but increasingly less so, I'm happy to say. So mindfulness addresses the, the biggest case of mistaken identity there ever has been, and that is the identification with our thoughts. I remember the day where I, it, the, the penny finally dropped that I am not my thoughts. And up until that day, if you had said you are not your thoughts, I would have brushed it off as an interesting sentence and it wouldn't have meant anything. And then there was the day in a meditation practice where I developed the capacity to observe my thoughts and detach from my thoughts. And on that day, I realized how thoughts are just one part of consciousness. They are not me and I'm not my thoughts. Thoughts are just a thing like a cloud, a phenomena passing across the sky. They're neither a problem nor a solution. They uh, are just like smells or sounds. They're just something that is. They are phenomena, transient clouds passing across the blue sky of our awareness. The problem is, is that we have allowed our thoughts to become these powerful, dominating things that we become identified with. And of course, these thoughts, when we give them all this power, they think that they're those sailors that Plato talked about. And this creates all sorts of stress, anxiety, and mindlessness. We end up beating ourselves up, judging ourselves, and telling ourselves that boring old story that we're not good enough. So through developing this capacity of expanded awareness through meditation, we learn to de-identify and disattach with thoughts. And in doing so, we train our brain and our bodies to come to a more authentic state of being. As we re-identify with this part of us that we call our heart or our intuition, which is non-reactive, non-attached to outcome, we begin to learn who we really are and we begin to taste what real freedom really is. So mindfulness is more than just noticing. It's more than just paying attention. It's about doing so deliberately. It's about doing so with curiosity, and it's about doing so without judgment. And when we start to practice this skill, we become shockingly aware of how much of the time we live out of the present moment, obsessing about the future or the past, obsessing about how something could be different, how we could be different, 
judging ourselves and judging others, judging our present moment experience. It's a shocking realization once we start upon this path of mindfulness to realize the default state of our minds. I'm talking about myself here. Maybe I'm also talking about yourself, but maybe I'm not. So by practicing mindfulness, we develop the capacity to come back to the present moment. And ultimately, the only time we can really live in is in the present moment. So mindfulness is actually about waking up to reality. It's waking up to the reality that we, even though we obsess about the past and the future, we cannot be anywhere but the present moment. And this is the art of conscious living. This is what it means to become expanded in consciousness, to become increasingly aware that we are inhabiting the present moment and that we are more than neuroses and thoughts packaged up in skin and bone. So to close this episode, it's time to move to a little bit of practice. So we're going to do a little bit of an experiment together. Um, what I invite you to do is wherever you are right now, even if you're driving or sitting down, going for a run, I invite you to silently in your mind, name five objects that you see. And the practice is to do so without judging or without creating a story about the objects that you see. All right. Now, unless you're driving, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're not driving, then close your eyes. And name five objects or body parts that you can touch. Your trousers. Your shirt. The chair. Notice the screen of darkness in front of your closed eyes. Just tune your attention into the darkness. And finally, notice the sounds that you can hear far away and close to you. Simply become aware of sound. All right. So that's just a little experiment to illustrate how much is actually going on in each present moment when we actually expand our awareness. Often because we're so thought obsessed, in fact, thought addicted, we become, we, we, we forget, we, we, we become unaware of the smell. We forget to smell the roses. We become unaware of the beauty of life. We become sadly unaware of the splendor of this life experience because too much of our consciousness, our bandwidth has been taken up by obsessing with thoughts. And because we're so thought addicted, when there is an absence of thoughts, there's a tendency to switch off. There's a tendency to daydream. There's a tendency to sleep. There's a tendency to have this binary setup of either thinking or daydreaming. And this highlights the stimulus addiction that's being created in our minds. When we don't have thoughts, we go into sleep mode like a laptop. And really, 
there's a way out of that. And developing this d- type of awareness that I'm talking about, mindful awareness, mindfulness, which leads to flow consciousness, we're going to help to develop a third option. It's not um, thinking and it's not daydreaming, both of which are great in their own right, but there's actually a third option. And that's to be aware. That's to actually be mindful. That's to actually be in flow with life, to actually be fully turned on, to actually be fully aware of the phenomena that is passing through our consciousness, to be fully engaged with life. So a couple of tips before I close this uh, to help you with your meditation practice. Um, and I'm going to guide you at the end of this to a, um, a link where you can uh, go and get a meditation practice. In fact, I'll do that right now and I'll do that later on. But you can go to jirotaylor.com forward slash guided dash meditations. So that's jirotaylor.com forward slash guided dash meditations. There's four guided meditations there. Otherwise, I really love the guided meditations of Tara Brock. Tara and then B-R-A-C-H and you can find them easily on the internet there's heaps of them Um, for the super rational people out there Sam Harris is a author neuroscientist philosopher he has a mindfulness meditation on uh, SoundCloud Um, that is a good one now tips on starting your meditation practice Um, I want you to remember this an acronym PAP P-A-P preparation attitude posture the preparation for mindfulness, uh, for meditation is, is essential. Personally, for me, I meditate in the same place when I'm living at home, when I'm at home. And when I'm traveling, I will create the place at which I meditate. And I will make that place a sacred place. I'll turn my meditation practice into a ritual. To make my space a sacred place, for personally, I have certain, certain objects, certain rocks. Um, you know, I have certain... Um, I have Palo Santo, I have, inc- I have sage, I have certain carvings of wood that mean something to me, I have a piece of coral, I have uh, just stuff that means something to me. Um, and it helps me tune in to a state of consciousness that helps me connect with the deepest parts of myself. But don't worry, you don't need a statue of Buddha, you don't need rocks and trinkets and stuff like that. You can meditate sitting on the toilet if you wanted to, Um, The key is just to create some sort of regularity to it, which will enable you to turn this more into a regular practice. The key is to find a nice, comfortable, quiet space and to make this a sanctuary for yourself a few times, a few minutes each day. I recommend, um, if you can, to do this uh, in a room outside of your bedroom. It's nice to create that separation when you get up from uh, sleep or before sleep. I personally do it in my home office. I have a little corner set up where I meditate each day. And the key is to make sure that you won't be disturbed. Um, So that's preparation. Attitude. Meditation is, it's not about forcing concentration. It's not about um, becoming super chilled out and relaxation. It's actually to find that middle ground. It's like, imagine tuning a, a, a guitar. You don't want that string to be too taut and you don't want it to be too loose. You're looking for a state of relaxed alertness. We're looking to be um, still like mountain, flow like river. That's kind of like the paradoxical state of relaxed alertness that we're going for. Um, and finally, posture. Super important. I'll drop into posture over the course of this series of meditation. 
But I cannot stress how important posture is. When I teach meditation in person, um, I'm continually noticing how people in the Western culture find it very difficult to retain the sort of posture that is required to have a deep meditation experience. Quite frankly, if you find yourself slumping, um, bend, curving at the spine, you will be unable to access your full breathing capacity. You'll be unable to energize your body in a proper way, and you'll be unable to stay as alert as you need to stay to access the deepest parts of yourself. If you find yourself uh, slouching, then I urge you to imagine having a piece of string tied to the crown of your head, the very, very tip of your head, and every now and then it just gets pulled up, which elongates your spine, which allows you to breathe into your lower body. And the way of checking into your posture to see whether it's correct is if your face, jaw, shoulders, neck are relaxed, hands falling wherever they might fall, and as you breathe through the nose, out through the nose, place your right hand on your lower belly, just, just about on your belly button. You're in the right posture and you're breathing correctly if your right hand starts to gently rise and fall as your belly starts to gently pop out and go in as you gently breathe. If that's happening, then you're on the right lines, okay? If you find yourself slouching, what you'll notice is that that capacity to breathe into your lower body will diminish and you'll start chest breathing. All right, so without further ado, I encourage you to go to jerrytaylor.com slash guided-meditations and then the first meditation there is a body scan. Um, if you don't want to do a guided meditation, that's absolutely fine. If you have your own meditation practice, beautiful. Um, if you simply want to sit on the ground and observe your breathing, this is a beautiful practice to do. So just sit in that posture that I talked about, sitting strong, solid like mountain, flowing like river, and feel into your breathing. Become super aware, notice your breathing. Um, see if you can trace your inhale for the fullness of its duration and see if you can trace the exhale as it leaves your body and see if you can trace the full cycle of your breath. Another practice I'm going to give you now is to make your showers a ritual of flow. Instead of having a shower where you get in the shower, you turn the water on, you scrub it up, dub, rub it up, dub. How about you Turn your attention inward. How about you switch off the lights? How about you close your eyes? How about you use your senses to soak in the experience? How about you become hyper aware of the sensation of hot water on skin, of the smells of soap entering your nostrils and going into your nervous system and becoming thoughts? Notice when your mind does drift into thought and see how gently you can bring it back to the sensations, to the smells, to the sense of the water on the skin. And do so repeatedly, lovingly, like you're training a cute little puppy to sit down. That brings us to an end of this first session of six. I hope this has helped you understand why we meditate and give you a broad understanding of what exactly it is we're going to be going into more of the how over the next few weeks, but if you follow that link that I gave you before, uh, jerrytaylor.com slash guided dash meditations, 
you're going to find uh, four meditations there that you can feel free to follow along. Otherwise, go to Tara Brock. You can Google her. Otherwise, there's a beautiful app called Insight Timer, which literally has thousands of beautiful meditations. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I'm wishing you a beautiful meditation practice and a week of effortless, joyful flow. Tune in next week. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. There endeth the first episode of six that guides us into a deeper understanding of mindfulness meditation, which I believe is the foundation of flow consciousness, the capacity to live in the natural flow of life. Whether you're a complete beginner or an advanced meditator, I hope you got something from that. And I invite you to deepen your practice um, and to commit to it as an act of self-love. And I honor you for the work that you've already done to honor yourself. If you're interested in the work that I do uh, to help individuals expand in consciousness and organizations to expand in consciousness, please feel free to contact me. You can email me at jiro at flowstate.co. I'm working with a selection of founders who are building companies of high consciousness, and I'm working with individuals through what I call flow pods. The first one started today, in fact. It was beautiful. Six human beings going through a journey collective journey of learning if you want to explore flow pods just go to the flowtribe.co website and you can learn more about that there you can apply for the next one until next week sending you heaps of love and just remember that the next uh, episode on this series is going to be in two weeks time we're going to slip into a cycle of interview followed by flow nugget followed by interview followed by flow nugget thank you so much for joining me on this journey bye-bye thanks for listening to the flow state performance podcast Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.